What is up, everybody? Special crossover Wednesday edition. Locked on Bulldogs, locked on LSU. I am Daniel Monroe. That's Caroline Fenton over there from Locked on LSU. Excited to talk about the SEC championship game. Caroline, how are you? Well, I've been better. Um, yeah. Over an unranked team with four wins. Yeah. But um, ideal. I expected this conversation to be a lot different. I'm going to be honest with you. I think uh, we both did. Absolutely. Absolutely expected this to be different. Fully expected LSU to go into Texas A&M, you know, with one of the best defenses in the country, going up against mm-hmm. one of the worst offenses in the country. I Seems, thought, okay, that's a recipe for success. Seemed for like LSU. a good matchup. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like a great matchup for, for LSU, but obviously that's not how it turned out. So I think all of us LSU fans are asking, how in the world did that happen? Yeah. Why did that happen? Did Texas A&M all of a sudden just figure out things offensively and just completely confused LSU defensively? Um, a lot of questions after that game, yeah. but trying to put that in the rear view and focus on the big game at hand. Obviously, at least on our side of things, the stakes aren't as high as yeah. we thought they would be going into this game. Yeah. With at least, you know, college football playoff hopes still alive. That's not necessarily the case. So I think for LSU, it's just go in, you know, play your heart out, see what happens, see if you can get into a, a better New Year's Six Bowl, hope for the best, against a really, really good team. Yeah, so, like, that's, I mean, that's kind of where I wanted to start, you know, from a big-picture perspective. Obviously, the game for Georgia, it, it is the game. We're, we're in almost the exact, it, it's not it's not the exact opposite position because it's it's similar in the sense that no matter what happens to LSU this weekend, they're they're out of the college football playoff, and no matter what happens to Georgia this weekend, they're yeah. in to the college football playoff. And so, that's kind of my wondering from an LSU fans' perspective. We can talk about the team and the matchups and and break down the rosters in a second, but just I don't know LSU fans. This is kind of the fun part about this game is there's not a huge rivalry between Georgia and LSU. There's not a ton of crossover. Really, the only memories of Georgia and LSU have been SEC championship games like you know most most recently 2019 obviously mm-hmm. and then you know going back um several t- several games that I'm sure you know we both recall there was that there was that crazy high scoring uh Aaron Murray yeah Aaron Murray Zach Mettenberger yep. game you know and Sanford Stadium that regular season game but other than that like there you know there's not a ton of so I don't interact with very many LSU fans. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering from an LSU fans perspective, like has the air been let out of the balloon for this game? Like is like what's the the vibe around LSU? Are we still excited to try to win the SEC or is it all just like the season's over, forget it? I think it's a little bit of both because yeah. I think that there are a lot of fans that are like dang Like, we controlled our own destiny to potentially be the first ever two-loss team in the college football playoff and compete for a championship. And all of that rode on the SEC championship. All of that rode on potentially beating Georgia and Atlanta. And now that kind of zhuzh isn't there anymore. Now that, you know, pie-in-the-sky possibility is no longer there. So that's a bummer of, okay, you know, the season isn't over, but, you know, going further than a New Year's Six or the SEC Championship that's no longer alive. But there's also an element there of we're in the SEC Championship in Brian Kelly's first season. LSU went 9-3 sure. and three in Brian Kelly's first season. So yeah. while there's just as much disappointment that college football playoff isn't a possibility anymore, while there's just as much disappointment that 
you go in, you win, great. You lose, okay, fine. No harm, no foul. It's still, we're really optimistic and excited about what's to come in the future with this coaching staff and also sure. with these really talented young players that have emerged to be big role players for LSU so far this season. Mason Taylor, Will Campbell, the left tackle, Harold Perkins, most obviously. So there's as much disappointment as there is excitement for the future. Yeah, and I think, yeah, that's that's a... It's, it'll be interesting to see how the, the, the players react on both sides, you know, motivation, like what the motivation will be. But you would think that both of these programs really want to win a championship. And this it's is the now, SEC championship. It's you the SEC championship. Right. Yeah. And if you grow up, you know, going to SEC schools like we did, if you grow up, you know, in this league, in this conference, like this is, this means everything. It means a lot to win this game. And so I don't think either team, even though they're, their destinies are kind of already set. I don't mm-hmm. think either team will have a problem with, with motivation in this game, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see what um, you know how Georgia comes out right. uh, if if we're a little bit flat. We talked about that yesterday on the pod, and and I, I don't think I don't think that's really something to to worry about or to 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 look out for as a Georgia fan. Um, I think. I think Kirby still remembers 2019, and um, and I think that bothers him how many points he gave up. Even though everybody gave up points to LSU in 2019, you know, Kirby is stubborn and he doesn't like he doesn't like anybody scoring. He's a ball him. coach. He is, yeah, that's that's his thing. Yeah. And so um, I think he remembers that. And then I think he, last year is a you know I I don't think he, you know, obviously we won the big one. But I think it still probably bothers him quite a bit that we lost to Alabama in the in the SC championship game. But I think your point is is true that, you know, if you think about LSU season from a big picture perspective, the disappointment of last week is hard to swallow right now. But, you know, you beat Florida, you beat Alabama, you you know, you all of the big rivals, you, you kind of check those boxes, you won the West. And so and like you said, there's so much young talent on this on this LSU roster that um, it's got to be optimistic. Like the big picture for LSU football has to be optimistic, especially coming off of Ed Orgeron. And, you know, I don't know what your feelings are about Ed Orgeron, but you have a coach that can coach football now. And so that's a plus. Like, that's good. Absolutely. I mean, Ed Orgeron, it's, I think every LSU fan feels similar to the way that I do is, he was the head coach at LSU and he won a national championship. And he gave us the most electric and exciting year that we have experienced probably ever as LSU fans. Sure. He was at the helm of one of the greatest college football teams of all time. Well, still well Tennessee bitterness. this year, you know, Tennessee this year is the same as 2019 LSU. I don't know if you know that, Caroline, but I thought I'd bring that up. I, but. even when those comparisons were happening, like pre-Georgia loss, pre-South Carolina loss, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Pump the brakes because at this point, you know, they had beaten Alabama, which was what week six, week seven, somewhere right. around there. Because Alabama missed a field goal. Because yeah. Alabama yeah. missed a field goal. It was a great game. I mean, it was two a great really game. good teams. Great game. But I'm like, okay, let's pump the brakes here because LSU beat seven top 25 teams. LSU went on to win the SEC championship and dominate pretty much every single team they played on their schedule and also went on to win the national championship. So before we make comparisons, let's maybe wait until Tennessee's hoisting the college football playoff trophy. Maybe just pump the brakes that's, there. Um, that's not how Tennessee fans do it. That's no. not, that's not the way that Tennessee fans operate. 
No, you know it is that. not. And you know I know that, that all, not, all too well. That's not how it uh, But I mean, Tennessee's had a great season. And, you know, uh, you know, hats off to Josh Heupel for what he's done in his second year. But kind of looking at the Georgia side of things, like you said, you know, LSU fans don't have a ton to look forward to for the SEC championship. But Georgia has everything to look forward to past the SEC championship. Do you think there's maybe an element there that they look past this game and look ahead to the playoff? I mean, I think there could be. Um, and you know, it, there could be because you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old kids, you know, like it's kids they we're talking about kids who are out there playing this game. Um, <clears throat> Kirby is a great external motivator. We talked about that yesterday on the pod. He, I don't think there's anybody that I've seen who finds reasons to be, to be up for a game outside of the team that we're playing against. He, he, he looks, you know, externally to not not about the matchup on the field, but he looks towards uh, how can we get better as a team or what are our goals or those types of things. And a lot of that is coach speak. And we like we understand that that's just what coaches say. But but really, that is kind of how Kirby has run his program and tried to run his program based on a standard and not based on the, you know, the the matchups on any given week. And I think to Kirby Smart. Went, he played at Georgia. He grew up as a son of a high school football coach in Georgia. He, he is SEC football through and through. Like, that's his whole life. His whole life is SEC football. This game, he wouldn't say this because he knows that the money and the, the, the real prestige of college football right now is national championships. Like, mm-hmm. that's, how you, that's how you dominate that's the landscape of college football. But to Kirby Smart... I fully believe that this game means just as much as the national championship. I think in his in his mind, um, and that's why I, I don't think you ever heard him say last year, you know, well, we lost the SEC championship game, but we won the one that mattered. We won the big one. Like, he never went with that line of rhetoric because I think he, I think it bothers him still that we lost Alabama in the SEC championship game, even though we avenged that loss uh, in a game that mattered more. But so... The look ahead is always a a fear, um, but especially because in this college football playoff, I just don't even know if seeding matters. Like, I don't. It's hard to even know who you would want to play. So it's, normally you would want to win so you could be the one seed. Right. But like, is the one seed going to be a better matchup than the three seed? I don't know. Like, I don't. Well, let's who say knows hypothetically, this... USC loses the Pac-12 championship. Alabama yeah. gets that four spot. Or Ohio State. Or yeah. Ohio State. I'd much rather play TCU. You don't want to play either of those teams. I don't want to play Alabama yeah. or Ohio State. I'm sure right. Kirby Smart more than anybody does not yeah. want to see Alabama in the SEC championship. Yeah. I, I So I think I think you want to win this game. I think Kirby Smart is going to have players motivated. It's a championship game. We lost it last year. Um, I think there's all the reason for Georgia to be motivated. So let's talk about the matchups. Let's talk about who... Um, LSU is going to try to attack offensively and defensively and vice versa. First, want to let you know about bet online. 17 and a half points, Caroline, is a lot of points for a championship game. It only moved by a point after last week. It was 16 and a half, and now it's 17 and a half for this game. That's a lot of points that bet online is trying to give you for free to bet on your LSU Tigers. Are you going to bite on that? Are you going to take that? I I struggle with this because I don't want to, you know, over-exaggerate the loss last week to Texas A&M. And I know this team is going to be motivated after that. But also, 
every time I take a team to cover against Georgia, Georgia proves me wrong. And I think Georgia is such a difficult team to bet on because the spreads are always going to be massive just like that. So when I think surely this team will cover, Georgia proves me wrong. I am still going to take LSU to cover. I think it could be a two-touchdown game, and then LSU still covers. So I'll take the LSU to cover the 17.5. Georgia has, has messed around, you know. Tech yep. covered against Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri. you know, like, yeah, Missouri. Georgia has messed around this year, and then Georgia has just run people out of the building this year. And so it, it is a tough spot. Bet online is the place to go to make whatever bet you're planning on making on the SC Championship game or any of the games this weekend. Bet online, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On Podcasts. And the only place that we trust to make all of our online wagers. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so let's talk about matchups. Where do you see uh, LSU offensively trying to go to have success against this Georgia defense? Let's start on that side of the ball. It's it's so difficult because every very strong offensive team that I've seen Georgia play, Georgia's able to kind of penetrate exactly what is that team's strength. For example, the Tennessee game. I mean, I didn't think that anybody was going to be able to slow down Tennessee's offense. And then you turn around and you watch Georgia almost completely shut down that offense and make Hendon Hooker look like a quarterback that hasn't thrown for three, 400 yards a game. Um, So I think that the key here for LSU is the key that has been all season long, and that's running the football. Whether that's Mm -hmm. running the football with Jaden Daniels, if he's 100% healthy, he's a little bit banged up after the Texas A&M game has an ankle issue, but it's going to be, you know, the trio of running backs of Josh Williams, of John Emery, of Noah Kane. And then you add in Jaden Daniels run ability in there. That really is the bread and butter of this offense. Once the run gets going, then you start to see the passing game develop. It's going to be incredibly difficult, but I've seen, you know, this Georgia front seven, maybe isn't the Georgia front seven of last year, but the Georgia defensive backs are just absolutely lights out. I mean, I look at Keely Ringo or what he was able to do against one of the best wide receivers in college football in Cedric Tillman. And I was so impressed. So if LSU can get the run game going and maybe open up the passing game, that's the key to success for LSU here. It's just going to be incredibly difficult against this Georgia D. Yeah. The running backs are healthy at LSU. Like what's the situation there? So it was more so a kind of a running back by committee. Um, Armani Goodwin was really the one leading that charge. He was the big play guy. He took care of the football. And it was announced during the UAB game that he'll be out for the season. So they will be one running back short without Armani Goodwin, without their kind of big play guy. Um, Noah Kane is more so your more effective, efficient back. Like he'll pick up three, four yard gain here and there. So he's not your big, you know, 40, 50 yard pop off for a massive run kind of guy. Um, but he's more of, you know, he gets down in the trenches and picks up the the yards where you need him. Mm-hmm. John Emery is your big play guy, but he also has a tendency to fumble the football. He had two fumbles against UAB. Um, and then you also have Josh Williams, who has emerged as, you know, a back that I really didn't pay attention to preseason mm-hmm. that has emerged as uh, probably the go-to guy now that Armani Goodwin is out. So we've got those, the three trio of running backs that all have kind of a specific skill set. Yeah, it's a fascinating matchup because – LSU is just a weird team offensively so to weird. me from a distance because they have maybe the best wide receivers in the SEC. And, you know, you just said, I don't think incorrectly, that the whole offense is predicated on running the football first to try to open up the passing game. But when you have a guy like Booty on the outside and 
Like, you just got elite playmakers. And I don't think it's necessarily an issue of, like, Jaden Daniels can't get him the ball. But, the, you know, the team seems to be... Jaden Daniels, I think, in, to win this game, is going to have to throw it first Absolutely. and try to run second. Because uh, I, I think that will be the thing, like you said, that Kirby Smart and this defensive staff says we're going to try to take that away. And we're going to try to use our inside linebackers... You know, Jamon Dumas Johnson and Smile Mondin, who have incredible, you know, they're they're Georgia inside linebackers. They have great speed and they can get sideline to sideline and they can move and they can make plays in space. And so they're going to try to take the quarterback run away, I think. I think the defensive front, you know, Jalen Carter's as healthy as he's been all season. And um, it's not the defensive front from last year. You don't have Jordan Davis, who's, you know, maybe the best run stopper in SEC history or something. But you, it's still very hard to run against Georgia. It's Absolutely. just, it's very difficult. And you just look at, you just look at the the stats, and they they validate that. Um, but more than you know, more than that, what what Georgia has been elite at this season is not necessarily limiting teams in the passing game, limiting teams in the run game. It's keeping teams out of the end zone. It's the mm-hmm. scoring defense that has. They've not even been great in terms of turnover. Um, turnover margin for Georgia hasn't been spectacular or what you would expect from a championship caliber team but Georgia just keeps teams from scoring points they force field goal attempts they keep teams out of the end zone and that uh, Georgia last year I think gave up 10.6 points per game and this year gave up 10.7 points per game or 10.8 points per game you know it's just it's very similar to the defense last year and so uh, once LSU gets down in the red zone Will they be able to find receivers? Will they be able to run the football? And will Jaden Daniels be able to find space? I think that's the that's the key to that matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, turn it around to the other side, and what happened to LSU's defense? I mean, that's I don't mean to be rude, but no, it's a very I thought question. they were good. Like that's they looked, and to be fair, Texas A&M threw the ball for 155 yards. It was all the run game. And then ran the ball for 10,000 yards against LSU on Saturday. That far off. That's what. So if I'm Georgia, is it just as simple as, well, our offensive line is better than Texas A&M's offensive line. And, you know, I mean, A-Chain is a great back, but we like our backs. And so is George, should Georgia just lean on the run game to attack this LSU defense? Or where are the the holes in LSU's defense from what you've seen. And I I don't think that's necessarily the case. This has been a pretty solid run defense all season long with two outliers being Tennessee, which when you think of Tennessee's offense, you don't think, wow, really good run team. But Tennessee was able to run for over 200 yards against LSU. And then again, Texas A&M. And it's been interesting because going into every game against a really stout run game, Ole Miss and Quinchon Judkins, Auburn and Tank Bigsby, even Texas A&M and Devon A-Chain, Brian Kelly's number one point or his number one key to the game is we got to stop the run. We got to take their biggest playmaker away from them. And if they beat us by throwing the ball, then fine. But we're going to take their number one strength away from them. So they did that against Ole Miss. They were able to limit Quinchon Judkins to you know less than 100 yards, maybe 50 or so yards. They were able to limit Tank Bigsby, but they weren't able to do that against Texas A&M. And I don't know why. 
I, I really don't know why. Harold Perkins was pretty much a non-factor against Texas a and I look at Jaquelin Roy um, on that defensive front seven, who was really solid against Texas a and He had 12 tackles, one and a half for loss. Um, so he had a fine day, but it was just him. It was really a one-man yeah. show. They had missed tackles, missed reads. Jimbo Fisher was throwing out different looks at LSU's defense, and they weren't able to pick up on that. An LSU defense that I feel like all season long – always knew what the opposing offense was doing before they did it, especially Harold Perkins. I think he's the best at that as even if he gets kind of juked out a little bit, he has the speed to be able to catch up with the runner and the size yeah. to be able to bring them down. You didn't see that against Texas A&M missed tackles, missed reads, and they looked confused. I don't know if that was an on the road issue. I don't know if that was a preparation issue. I don't know if that was a, we're looking past Texas A&M and we're looking ahead to Georgia issue we're all asking ourselves those questions. I don't think that the that Texas A&M's game plan should be the recipe for success against LSU because I think that was more so an outlier than right. it was the rule of, of, with competing against LSU. But, I mean, if you watch that game and you're Georgia's offensive coordinator, you're thinking, okay, we'll just go ahead and run the ball. And if you stop it, we'll adjust. But they weren't able to adjust against Texas A&M and Devon H.A. Yeah, it's fascinating it – Todd Munkin is a fascinating offensive coordinator because you you kind of could get anything from him. Mm -hmm. This year, if you look at really Georgia's offensive game plan, offensive philosophies, in these last several weeks, they have really been leaning on the run. They've really been trying to establish the offensive line and, and lean on the run, and it's and it's had varying levels of success. Sometimes it's been good, sometimes it hasn't been good, and it's led to some games that were closer than people thought they were going to be. The Kentucky game was closer than people thought. Even though comfortable wins for Georgia, never really a, a risk of losing the game to a team like Mississippi State or Kentucky. Maybe a little closer than people thought. But if you look at the offensive game plan, it was, you know, it was kind of a heavy run attack versus earlier in the year in what I would call the bigger games of Georgia's mm -hmm. schedule, the Tennessee game, notably, when the rhetoric going into the game was well, against Tennessee, the best offense in college football history, Georgia's going to have to run the ball and try to control the clock and try to stretch the game out and try to make um, Hendon Hooker sit on the sidelines and try mm -hmm. to limit the number of possessions. And Todd Munkin came out with Stetson just passing it everywhere. And so it, it's almost as if in bigger games – They've leaned more on Stetson Bennett and his experience and his ability to find open receivers. Um, and Georgia has got playmakers, obviously, most notably at the tight end. But A.D. Mitchell should be back for this game, Georgia's mm -hmm. best wide receiver. He's been out almost you know, two-thirds of the season with an ankle injury um, and should be back for this game, which would be a huge boost uh, for the Georgia passing game. And so you just wonder what kind of – Todd Munkin and Georgia offense we're going to see I think they're they could come out try to establish the run against LSU and build on and try to attack what was successful for Texas A&M but I think more likely you're probably right I think Todd Munkin will maybe even go the other way and while LSU is trying to fix holes in the run game um, they might come out and try to exploit them with the passing game um offensively but and if yeah, i have brock bowers on my side balls going to him on every single play 
kid is yeah, a there's monster. Just, there's so many matchup nightmares on the Georgia sideline. I think the mm-hmm. Georgia fan, Georgia fans' biggest frustration offensively has been why don't they touch the ball more? You know, Darnell Washington, mm-hmm. probably a bigger matchup problem even than Brock. Brock Bauer's got incredible speed, obviously incredible hands, playmaking ability. But Darnell Washington's six hundred, you know, six foot seven and right. you know, two hundred and seventy five pounds, and it just a he can't be, he cannot be guarded. Um, and so, why doesn't he get the ball more? That's been Georgia's fans' frustration. I think, I, I suspect that in a big game like this, if you could pinpoint some tendencies from Todd Munkin, uh, Georgia likes to come out fast in in these big games if offensively, and so I do think. I think you're going to see him throw it early. I think you're going to see him take shots and uh, probably a lot of play action early when mm-hmm. LSU defenders might be, you know, leaning towards the line of scrimmage, uh, trying to expect, you know, maybe expecting that Kenny McIntosh or, uh, is going to get the ball and, and try to establish the run. So it'll be that to me. That matchup is is I think LSU offensively. And Georgia defensively are more known. We we sort of know what they are. Right. Uh, LSU's defense after last week and Georgia's offense have been a bit more uh, enigmatic this year. They've been a bit more up and down. And so I think that'll be the matchup to watch is can LSU get it back together defensively and try to hold this Georgia offense down and give like keep this game close and low scoring. I think that's the blueprint for LSU to – potentially upset Georgia in this game is a, a low scoring, uh, you know, affair, but you know, will Georgia's offense be able to figure things out and, and move the ball? I think that's, that's kind of what to watch. So let's with that, let's get into predictions because I need to know you're taking the points, but I need to know if you think LSU is actually going to win this game. So let's talk about that right after this. All right, Caroline. It's been fun talking, but now let's things. Let's get serious now. Let's, let's get down to business. Let's get down to the real matter at hand. Are you going to stake your reputation and your LSU fandom here in front of everybody, in front of God and everybody, and take your LSU Tigers to win the SEC championship game? What's your prediction for this game? Give me a winner, a maybe possible final score, and how you expect the game to go. I could give you an answer with my head or with my heart. And with my heart, it's this LSU team has been so tough all year long. When you count them out, they prove you wrong. They'll get down early in a game and they'll come back. And they've got so many playmakers on this game. They want to avenge that Texas A&M loss. Well, my heart believes that. I will answer with my head because this is an LSU team that has been inconsistent all season long. And that's what we expected from a team that had 39 scholarship players less than a year ago with a completely new coaching staff, with a new quarterback, with so many young pieces and so many pieces that were brought in from the transfer portal. We expected a a little bit of inconsistency because we expected this team to need time to learn itself and to learn each other. And while I think that the Texas A&M game absolutely was an outlier, I think this Georgia team is just too good. I think I think I learned how good Georgia truly is when I watched the Tennessee game. And I watched that Tennessee team basically just crumble from this, this Georgia defense. So while I do think 
that this LSU team is going to be tough. And while I do think that this LSU team is going to want to come out and prove something and say, hey, look, that team in College Station, that's not us. We're competing for an SEC title because we're one of the best teams in the SEC. I know they're going to go want, they're going to want to go in with that mindset. I just don't think that they're quite there yet to be able to go head to head with Georgia. Um, I think that that's also funny too, because my interpretation of this Georgia team is they make games way more interesting than they should, at least in the first half. This LSU team is the exact same. We're down 17, nothing against Auburn, 17, three against Ole Miss. And they were able to come back and win those games. This has been yeah. a comeback team all yeah. season long. So I think that this game is going to be interesting in the first half. I think Georgia pulls away in the second. I'm taking Georgia to win 35-21. Yeah. Um, that's uh, – I I don't disagree with that, and I, I do think both those teams – I think that's why watching that game last week as – I mean, I was interested in the LSU-Texas A&M game. Obviously, I wasn't, I wasn't fully sweating it out the way that you were. But – um, yes. I almost, you know, it's like it. As that game progressed, I thought LSU could still come back and win this game. Like I didn't feel I like thought. they were out of the game the I whole time. Yeah. I really thought that, you know, when AM scored first, I was like, okay, that's what this team needs. Like the the opposing team scores first, and then this team just wakes up. And yeah. then the scoop and the the failed two point conversion that was so stupid when LSU tied the game of seventeen seventeen mm. failed two point conversion dumb call. Excuse me, seventeen seventeen. And then the scoop and score happened. And yeah. then LSU was able to come back. The failed two-point conversion, those were just momentum killers. And once I saw yeah. the failed scoop and, or the, the scoop and score, I thought this game's over. Because this team has been able to turn things around with big defensive plays. Yeah. And Texas A&M played that same blueprint against yeah. LSU when they were able to get a massive turnover and a big defensive play. That's the path to LSU I think keeping this game close and maybe having a chance to win is it's turnovers, big defensive mm -hmm. plays. Um, yeah. I don't, I just don't see a path to this LSU offense scoring a lot of points against Georgia, you know, like, so if you tell me there's a pick six, there's a strip sack, you know, recovered mm -hmm. on the 10 yard line. Like if you tell me those types of things, then absolutely. I, you know, those are things that concern me. It's going to have to happen if LSU is going to want to win this game. Right. And mm -hmm. and Stetson Bennett is uh, has had moments of absolute greatness in his career, and he's had moments where his decision-making – and he hasn't always been punished for it this year. And so mm -hmm. you look at his – you know, if a casual fan might look at the turnover numbers or might look at the, you know, the plays where – where he was intercepted and a lot of those plays were not his fault. It was a tip ball or it was something, you know, like the receiver, you know, ran the wrong route or things like that. Right. But there have been plenty of plays that did not result in an interception that should have where he made absolutely ridiculous decisions um, with the football. He can get that mentality. He has that like gunslinger gamer type mentality where mm -hmm. he's going to go out and thinks that he can, he can make the throw when maybe he shouldn't. So if that happens, and obviously LSU's pass, ru pass rush is um, elite and could be a factor in the game. That being said, like I just don't see even if Jaden Daniels is a hundred percent. Like I said, I don't. It's hard to run on Georgia. I think the quarterback run game is going to be the number one thing that gets taken away, and um, that leaves the defensive backs um, to cover this great group of wide receivers. But. Georgia has some really strong defensive backs, and so I think they're able to match up there. So 
<clears throat> I've got the game a little bit more low scoring, but I've got it 31 to 13. Um, and so, yeah, I have Georgia sort of barely covering. You have LSU sort of barely covering. Barely covering. But, um, yeah, it should be it should be fascinating. There's been a lot of great SEC championships between these two teams and uh, excited for another one. Excited so. for it. it. It's it's fun. It seems like these two teams in the SEC championship see each other fairly frequently, at least in recent history. So yeah, I'm excited absolutely. for it. I'm ready for it. Be great. Uh, all right. Caroline Fenton, Locked On LSU. Go subscribe and download all of those episodes, Locked On Bulldogs. Um, I know we'll both have more stuff coming out for the rest of the week. And so we will see you guys then.